Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. How's everybody doing today? Is everybody doing good? Y'all, Willison, we have two kids being baptized today. How awesome is that? Isn't that awesome? It is. It's really awesome when you see God working in the lives of children. It just really is. And what that is, is that's a testimony for um, great parents and for great people around those people uh, and for a heritage oftentimes, or sometimes it's the start of a heritage, which is kind of cool too to see that. So listen, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Game Changers, what it is. Game Changers is the name of the series. Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. One of my favorite people, one of my favorite stories I love to hear is about a guy named Joe Clark. Joe Clark. Does anyone remember who Joe Clark was? Anyone? Joe Clark. You'll remember him in a second. Joe Clark had a movie after him. The movie was called Lean on Me. You guys remember that? Joe Clark, the, 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 the principal that came into the school that was completely out of control. It was completely out of control. And he came into the, to the, to the, to the school and he radically changed the environment of the school. Uh, my favorite line is, uh, he, said, he said, people used to call me crazy, now they can call me Batman. And he carried a bat around with him in the school. All right. Now the bat wasn't for the kids, it was for the thugs that were trying to get into the drug dealers and all those who were trying to get into the school. And he, he, he worked and worked and worked and worked to raise these test scores of these children and he ended up succeeding. Joe Clark. The day Joe Clark started at the school, at that particular school, was a game changer for some of the lives of those kids and some of the lives of those teachers and some of the lives in the community. He had a lasting impact on the community. If you haven't seen the movie Lean on Me, you need to go see it. It's really, really good. All right. Now there's there's a few there's a few f bombs in there. All right, and there's a few, but but listen, it's a fantastic movie showing you the power, the power that one person can make. His whole attitude that he brought into the school was a game changer. You guys, today we're going to see a game changer. We're going to begin to witness what we know now as a game changer. Every one of these, every one of these messages are game changers. Let me tell you the background. Matthew is the writer. Matthew is the writer of this particular text. Matthew's whole thing, when you think of the book of Matthew in the Bible, you should think of one thing, king. Jesus as king. Matthew wanted you to know that Jesus was the king. He was the king who came, he was the king who came to reign, and he was the king that would come back for us. King is the word you need to think about when you think about the book of Matthew. So 
There's something that happens when a king takes over his throne. Okay, now we know this more commonly today. They're not kings, but they're, they're presidents, right? So when the president comes forth and he's elected, the president does something. He has a speech, right? He gets up on the podium. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. And he makes a speech, okay, at, at the Capitol. He makes a speech and he begins to tell what the country will be like under his presidency. Back in the time of Christ, when a new king would take over, they would begin to make proclamations for what it would be like under their kingdom. They made proclamations for what it would be like under their kingdom. I want you to know something. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' proclamation of what it's going to be like in His kingdom. That's what it is. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus saying, this is exactly how my kingdom will function. That's what Jesus is doing here. And so with that in mind, let's look at chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says this, it says, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him. And then it says this, he began to teach them. And this is where we're going to dive in deeper today. God blesses those who were poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You have to understand the concept here that's going on. These people are not looking for the type of king that Jesus will eventually be. These people are looking, they are oppressed people under the Roman government, and they are looking for a king that will come and that will conquer. And so Jesus has gotten a little momentum going. People have started talking a little bit. There's a little bit of understanding of what it is that he's doing, who he is. They've seen a little bit of his power. They've heard about a few things. And so people begin to gather around. And they're ready for this freedom that he's going to bring out. And the first thing that he says is, Blessed are those who are poor and realize their need for him. Don't you find that interesting? Don't you find it interesting that's the first thing he said? That's the first thing he said. If you were expecting a mighty king to come out, someone who was going to take back over you know, going to take back the land and take back the kingdom that they, you probably wouldn't expect him to come out and say, blessed are those who are poor. As a matter of fact, I bet a bunch of people were going, what the heck is this? Why is this even happening? These are called the Beatitudes. Now, some of you may think that the Beatitudes, there's only these Beatitudes right here that we see from verse 3 through verse 11. But that's not true. I want you to know something. There are 45 Beatitudes in the Old Testament. There's 45. There is 37 Beatitudes in the New Testament. Do you know what a Beatitude is? 
A beatitude is simply a proclamation. That's all it is. It is a proclamation. It is taking and proclaiming something that will occur or that is the truth. That's what a beatitude is. And here's the thing that I want you to, you, you to see. And this is, and I'm going to read them like they're supposed to be read. And so uh, maybe, maybe cover your ears just a little bit. But here, I read this, and I read it like a preacher would, right, on a Sunday morning in September in 2019. And probably when you're at home, here's what you read. You probably read it like this. God blesses those that are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's probably how you read it, right? That's not how it is. Here's how it really is. God blesses those who, are, who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's how it's really supposed to be read. It is a proclamation. It is a loud proclamation. It was like me last night, proclaiming that Tennessee was going to win that game. But those darn Mormons got us, didn't they? Just screaming out, proclamation, proclaiming from the rooftops. That's exactly what's going on here. And what I want you to see... What I want you to understand is that a lot of times in our, in, our own, in our own language, it cannot compute well to what the original language was. And so today, for these first five, I want to go over with you the real meaning for these. Because i got to be honest with you. I'm not really interested in being poor. And I don't like mourning very much. Humble I can maybe do, but being hungry, I don't know about all that. Are you with me? Yeah. And you know, I'll show mercy sometimes, but some people just get on my nerves. Are you with me? His first proclamation doesn't really incite me to get fired up and want to go take the, to take the hill. His first proclamations for me are like, ugh. What? The first one says this. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Jesus is saying this. You will become so detached from material things. You'll be so detached from those material things that you'll know that God and God alone are the only, is the only person that can bring you what you need. You will be so detached from those material things that in your mind you will be poor because you know that the lower you go, the higher he goes. Here's what a better reading of the verse would be. Blessed are those who have realized their own utter helplessness and who have put their whole trust in God. Blessed are those who have realized their own utter hopelessness and who have put their whole trust in God. That's the reading of the text. And listen, that is a game changer. From the first moment he spoke those, it was a game changer. 
Because people, people wanted power. And people want, the, the religious people even would walk around in these ornate things and they would walk around in these long robes and they would show their power and they would look down on people. And, and that's what the, the religious people would keep these laws and keep all those things. And Jesus says, no, no, my kingdom's not going to be about that. My kingdom is going to be this. I want to bless those who realize their own utter hopelessness and helplessness and who have put their whole trust, who have put their whole trust in God. The next thing he says is this. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, for me, every time I think of the word mourning, I always think about a funeral. Are you guys with me on that? I think about a funeral and, and I'm not really good at doing funerals. You know what I mean? I've got my gifts. Funerals probably aren't one of them, okay? I, I'm just not very good at doing funerals. Uh, I do okay, um, but they don't let you wear flip-flops to funerals, uh, you know? And I just, you know, I'm just kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, especially if you're the pastor. They're like, no, let's keep the flip-flops at home. And so I, I don't very, they think you wear a tie, you know what I mean? And I kind of feel like I'm choking, uh, I kind of feel like I may be the next person in the box, you know what I'm saying, at the funeral because I'm going to die. And so I, I'm just not very good at funerals. You know, mourning, mourning. I, I, that's what I think about. No one likes to mourn. No one does. I've never heard someone say, man, I am, I am, gosh, I'm just mourning today. God, it feels so great. It feels so awesome to mourn. It just feels incredible. No one likes to mourn. Psalm 30, verse 5 says this, Sorrow lasts for a night, but joy, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Joy comes in the morning. What is exactly Jesus talking about here? If you break down, if you break down the Hebrew, here's what he says. Blessed are those who are so desperately sorry for their own sin." And their own unworthiness. Blessed are those that are so sorry for their own sin and their own unworthiness. When I have someone come to me and they've committed a sin, you know what the first thing I tell them to do is? I tell them to mourn. They're like, what do you mean? I said, well, you need to repent and you need to mourn. You need to feel a deep sense of sorrow and a deep sense of sorry for that sin. You don't need to block that out. You don't need to push. See, the world's going to tell you this. The world's going to say, oh, don't worry about it, man. We all do it. Don't worry. No, I'm telling you something totally different. What I'm telling you is this. You need to experience that. You need to experience that because, because of this. In order, in order for the joy to come in the morning, all right, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, in order for that morning to come, the night before, has to feel the sorrow. It's the economy of God is what it is. Even though, even though, even though no one likes mourning, God's economy says, listen, blessed are those who are desperately sorry for their own sin and for their own unworthiness. That's the second thing he says. Here's the third thing. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. Now, the word used here is actually this. It's a word, it's a word that is balancing a, a difference between too little anger and too much anger. 
That's what it's talking about. There is a balance between the anger. There's a balance between I, 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 got, I, I didn't get mad enough or, or I got way too mad. I lost my temper way too much or I didn't do enough. There's a, there's a balance here. Jesus isn't talking necessarily about being humble. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about having self-control. He's talking about having self-control. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about being able to control yourself and knowing, knowing that you don't have all the answers. Knowing that you don't have all the answers. Knowing, you know, it's really funny to me. <clears throat> I, I've told you guys this story before. But when I had my son, about a year into it, about a year and a half into it, I called my brother and apologized. Uh, because I had told him all the ways that he needed to raise his kid when he was growing up. And I didn't have a kid at the time. Are you with me? And I called him and said, hey, man, you know all those things that I told you about how hunters should act this way or hunters should act that way or this should happen or that should happen? He goes, yeah. I said, forget all that. I'm an idiot. What was I doing? I was telling him this. Hey, I was totally ignorant about that. I didn't, I didn't know what in the world was going on. You have to realize something. The religious people of their time wanted to be seen as having all the knowledge. And they wanted people to come to them and they would give them that knowledge. But Jesus says this instead. He says, blessed are those who have the humility to know their own ignorance, their own weakness, and their own need. Blessed are those. Blessed will be those who know their own ignorance, who know their own weakness, and who know their own need. You will be blessed if you, if you do that. The next thing he says is God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Hunger and thirst for justice. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, there was a saying back in their day that, that, that basically said this, that they thought that there was, if you were, you were partially good, right? If you were partially in, if you were partially, and Jesus comes in and says this. He says, no, listen, here's what I want. I want everything or I want nothing. I want everything or I want nothing. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. I want everything or I want nothing. That's it. I don't want you to do the partial. I want you to do zero or I want you to do the whole. You know, it's interesting. Um, whenever, I don't know, Winnie and I just got married and, and uh, we started drinking skim milk. All right. Skim milk is basically, if I'm being honest, it's basically one part whole milk, 20 parts water. All right, are you with me? If you can see through your milk, that's an issue. Are you with me? I mean, literally. It's like, and so we started drinking skim milk. And, and so I don't know when this occurred. But at some point down the road, we bought, we bought by accident whole milk. All right? I didn't look at the label. I poured a glass of whole milk. And I took a drink of that whole milk. And the heavens open up. The only thing I could think of is I've got to find a cookie to dip in this white goodness. That's all I could think of. There is a huge difference between skim milk and whole milk. Now, I'm not saying whole milk is good for you. It tastes great. It can't be good for you. Right? That's, what, that's a good example of what Christ is talking about. A lot of us, a lot of us want to hunger and thirst. And we, we, we take that, that skim milk. 
That's not what he's talking about. He said, no, I want you to do the whole. I want you to do the whole. Here's what he says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the whole of righteousness, for complete righteousness. I don't want partial righteousness. I don't want to be just pretty good. I want, you know, one of the things that frustrates me, I'm going to go on a soapbox here. One of the things that frustrates me the most about the South, all right, if you want to know the truth about it, I would probably be a better preacher in the North, all right, because I get really frustrated with the South because down here, a lot of, a lot of church stuff is kind of like part of your heritage. Are you with me? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like Catholics who, who, who live uh, like in, in, in Hispanic countries. A lot, of, uh, a lot of Catholicism is in Hispanic countries. And, and a lot of time, that's just part of their culture. And in the South, you know, going to church and then going out to dinner or lunch and going to take a nap is kind of part of your heritage, isn't it? It really is. And so a lot of times, a lot of times, we settle for just good enough and we miss out on every, at least in the North, they'll just tell you, no, nah, man, I'm not going. And those people that are going to church up there, it's not part of their heritage. It's, they're, they're firm. Trust me, I know them. They're firm. I think I may do better up there because those people are sold out and radical. And a lot of us, a lot of times we're not. We just settle for the partial. Here's what he's saying. I want you to strive for the whole righteousness. The whole thing, not half, the whole. The final thing is this, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those for the merciful for they will be shown mercy. He blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. The image that Christ wants you to see is this. In order, it's crazy, this is so funny. Every time I talk to someone and they're angry with another person or they're frustrated with a relative or something or they're mad or this is I know this never happened. I know no one does this on here, but someone goes off on someone on social media who they don't agree with. I know we don't do that at real church. We don't do that. But other people, you'd be surprised. Other people do that. I know it shocks everybody. I was shocked, too. But people do that. And here's the situation. The situation is this. A lot of times we can't. We want to make rules or abide by rules or we want to set up rules until we experience that situation or until one of our kids experience that situation or until something happens. And suddenly we want to be grace-filled in mercy to someone who's close to us. But those people that are not close to us who we feel like are doing the wrong thing, we want to judge those people and not show them mercy. Here's what Jesus is saying in this. I want you to be like someone who can literally get inside of that other person and see through their eyes. And when you can do that, you will begin, you will begin to give them mercy. I'm not saying you have to agree with them. I'm not saying you have to say, yep, you're right, I'm wrong, let's go on. I'm saying you will give them mercy. Here's what he said. Blessed are those who get right inside other people until they can see with their eyes, think with their thoughts, Feel with their feelings. For those who do that will find others do the same for them and will know that that is what God in Jesus Christ has done for us. That's what he means. That's what he's saying. When he says, blessed for those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy, he's saying this, when you show mercy to someone else, when you literally get inside their own eyes and look through that, in the end, if you're that kind of person, 
you will be shown the same mercy. That's what he's saying. Can I tell you guys what these all are? These are all game changers. Now, sitting here today, you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, what? No, listen, you don't understand. They're game changers. The people back in, the religious people back in Jesus' day did not show mercy. Remember those people that drug the woman out and wanted to beat her to death? Remember that? We, we, listen, when you start reading the scriptures in the gospel, you start seeing a lot of these things in, in real life. Whenever they brought the adulterous woman out who was in the act, they brought her out nude and threw her down, the religious people, and they were going to beat her. They said, this is what it says. We need to stone her. And he says, listen, whoever, whoever has the, without sin, drop the, you know, beat her. And they all started dropping their stones by their feet and walked away. That is this verse in action. It's what that is. And it was a game changer. Whenever you start seeing Jesus eat with those people who he 100% disagreed with, but he loved anyway, that are these, that's these verses. That's what they are. That's what they are. Do you know what these verses are? And this is, this is the title of the message. You know what those verses are? They are unfakeable traits of a follower. They are unfakeable traits of a follower. Because you know what? You can't fake this. You either are or you're not. You can't fake it. They are unfakeable traits of a follower. I can't wait to dive more into his word. Some, sometimes, you guys, the messages that I bring are, are, are motivational. Sometimes they're kind of funny. And sometimes they're kind of serious, and the day's a little more serious. Because you have to get the, the foundation in order to understand how big of a game changer this is. I don't know about you guys, but the best thing we can do, the best thing we can do, the best thing we can see, and the best thing we can do is to begin to follow Jesus. And we get a chance to see two people this morning follow Jesus. I tell people this all the time. People say, listen, do I have to be baptized to be saved? I say, no, but I'll tell you this. It's the first thing Jesus did. It's the first thing he did. He stepped right out, submitted to baptism, and was right on his way to his ministry. It's the first thing he did. So you can have a perfect act here. If you've never been baptized, the first thing you can do is be baptized. That's the first thing. That's the first step of obedience. That's the first thing you can do to follow him. The first step he took was into the waters, and that's exactly what we're going to do right now. So let's stand up and let's pray. And I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up. Let's stand up and the praise team will come up. I'm going to pray for us. And then they will begin to play and we will go back and prepare for the example of following Jesus. Lord God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. God, I'm so humbled by who you are. I'm so humbled by the fact that you love me so much, that you believe in me so much, that you, God, that you take time to care for me and to, um, God, just to lead me and to guide me and to direct me. Lord, I just pray that you would... Um, that, that, that you would continue to pull people closer to you. The scripture says that if we draw near to you, God, that you'll draw near to us. My prayer is, is that people would draw near to you today. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful, God, that they even have that opportunity. I'm thankful that they do, Lord. We just look to you, God, to be big and to do big things today. I'm so thankful for the two kids that are, that are going to be baptized today. I'm thankful for their families and their parents that are here to watch this. I'm, I'm thankful that you, 
that you, even before we knew it, you were working in their lives. It's amazing, God. We see these children and we're so happy for these children. And the truth of the matter is, is that you look down on us just like we look on these kids. May we make you proud, God. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.